You're listening to the Tour Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to the first episode of the 2023-24 season Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds. And on today's episode, I'm joined by three wise men. Well, two wise men simultaneously and one wise man virtually. Um, we've got uh, Ross Reed, the godfather of Southwest Sports News. Um, Josh Thomas, of course, the reporter from the Western World and Somerset Mercury and the North Somerset Times. And I'm also delighted to welcome um, George McCaffrey, our fixture secretary, for our, um, our our regular update on all things promotion, relegation and fixtures. Um, now, before we get into the main pod, I think it would only be right for me to introduce our guests. So, um, Ross, lovely to see you as always. Have you had a pleasant off-season? Um, was there one? Uh, I, I scratched my head to remember when um, teams were either asking for friendlies or playing friendlies or their friendlies were called off unbelievably by the, the wet weather, which in the cricket season I find absolutely um, bizarre, really. But yeah, no, all good, Ian. Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to the start of the new season. But um there's a side of me that the old hockey player and the old cricket player that wishes that summer was a weeny bit longer and less football filled but only a little side I'm sure when it kicks off I'll be fully into it and there's some cracking games to open the season with absolutely now I want to do I want to give you a little shout out if I can Ross because um I've really enjoyed your ashes coverage now in, in a world that's filled with um sort of sky sports and the BBC and radio 5 live um, it might be odd that that certainly odd to me that that my go-to place to find out how England are getting on in the Ashes is actually you, uh, is and it? It, and it, I'm not entirely. I mean, obviously, I know you, so I mean, there's as a personal link there. But I have to say, I've because of the way we consume our information at the moment, I just haven't found myself in a position where listening to the radio or watching the television has been has been you know appropriate. So the fact that I've been getting my updates, well, updates from you. Um, it's a it, it, it's fantastic. And I, I mean, I don't know whether you've got much feedback from it. And I know this isn't the Ashes podcast, but um, it just goes to show that you obviously don't just cover um, football. You you know, you do cover um, other things. And, and I personally, I just wanted to say well done, because I've, I've actually really enjoyed your coverage of the Ashes. Yeah, it's, it's been great fun. And, and, and the feedback has been tremendous. So um, I think when, they're, you know, it's very easy for me to Put myself in that little niche and it's just grassroots regional sport in the southwest and south wales but you know it, i love sport as next as much as the next sort of uh fan and, that, and that's i, I think i I've, i must I, I i always try and be grounded you know me very well ian we you know we watched the league cup final together last year and it was great fun but um yeah i just try and stay grounded and 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 yeah if the ashes the ashes came along and I just, I, I was enjoying it so much, and like yourself, I, I, I don't always want to be rushing off to, you know, listen to the radio. I've not got a television at the new house either, so um, yeah, I just, yeah, it's been very enjoyable, and in the engagement with people like yourself, you know, I've, I've got, as you know, I've got some good mates who, um, who pitch in with, with funny comments and all, all sorts, so it's great, really good. Good, well, keep it up. Now, um, Josh... Lovely to see you again. Obviously, we, we wrapped up last season together. It doesn't seem like, well, it probably was only a couple of weeks ago, but it's lovely to see you again. Have you been able to enjoy your closed season? 
it's always been mad football, you know. It, despite the season finishing, you're still working away. People getting transfers in, people getting new managers in. There's no rest at all. No rest. <laughs> well, I'm very pleased that you've been able to find um, the time to speak to us in this in this new season preview show. Um, before we do get into talking about um, um, the new season, um, I would like to just kick off the pod with um, an interview I did earlier this week with George McCaffrey, the Toolstation Western League fixture secretary. Um, George and I have a chat at the beginning of um, the last couple of seasons. We talk about the way he's organised the fixtures, the importance of long distance travel on Saturdays, that sort of thing. But on this occasion, we kicked off with um, going to the very end, um, the way that promotion, relegation and the playoffs will work. Obviously, our champions will get automatic promotion from our Premier Division to the Southern League. We will then have a series of playoffs between the teams in second, third, fourth and fifth. And what will happen there, the second will play the fifth team and the third will play the fourth. And then the winners of those two games will then play on the following Saturday um, with the home team being the team that's got the best points per game. Um, so there will be competition right till the end. So what we're looking at there is the season is due to finish on the 20th of April. So the playoff will be on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, and then the final will be on Saturday the 27th. And then the winner of that final will obviously then get automatic promotion to the Southern League Division 1 South. Um, and again, the same with our Division 1, exactly the same. As we did last season, we will be doing this season in exactly the same format as I've just described. What about relegation? Right, so the bottom club's going, um, and then the bottom in the Division 1, the bottom three clubs will be eligible for relegation, depending on availability of clubs to replace them. But again, um, there is one overriding factor, as you're aware, is that the FA are carrying out a review of our current situation due to the, uh, the mileage. So everything that I've just told you will, will remain in place for the Premier Division, except potentially the relegation. That may change. We don't know. And certainly the situation with the Division 1 could change. It's something that we can't predict. But the regulations are in place. That's what they are uh, until the FA change them. Please come and talk to us, either myself or the board, as you see us around. But we'll only tell you exactly that. We know nothing more that, you know, it's down to the FA. Um, we want to be involved with them, but um, to date we've not been approached. Um, so let's talk about the fixtures. Obviously, we do this at the start of every season because the fixtures are one of those things that obviously the, not only the, the, the fans, but the players and the managers and the, and the volunteers yeah. are very interested in. Yeah. Um, we, the, the, the problems or the challenges that, you're, that you face are well documented, not least, obviously, the, the, the long distances which you mentioned. So when you're compiling the, the, the fixture schedule, George, what, what's your thought process? What are, you, what are you looking to achieve? It would be very easy if we could just go home and away, have you know, three months and then flip it and do three months and there you go, there's the season. Um, but it doesn't work that way because we've got specific challenges by clubs. Um, you look at Wellington, can't play at home. 
until uh, 15th of September. And then we've got um, situations where we've got carnivals and things like that, where whilst it's not mandatory, but there's not a lot of sense in trying to send a team to a town or city that's got a, a carnival and then try and play a football game when you can't even access the town itself because it's jam-packed. So we try and adapt to club-specific requests. Um, the obvious ones for me when I'm setting up the fixtures is that we don't like to do more than two home games or two away games. The only problem with that is if you've got two home, one away, two home, and then I move your away game for a different reason, I end up later on in the season with a run of four. And so that can't be predicted. But we try to make sure that there are only two, a run of two at any one time. And then I do have requests from clubs. For some reason, some players think that getting married in the season is a good idea and to get married on a Saturday is a good idea and they request that they have a blank Saturday and of course I can't guarantee that that's not a criteria that I can put in place if I can help them I will but I can't guarantee that obviously our situations ease this season in that we've only got 18 clubs in the um, Premier Division but on the reverse side of that, we've got 22 in the in the first division. So that's more of a challenge. And with the 18, um, it does give us a bit more flexibility. I made the decision early that because Christmas Day is on a Monday, the 25th, we've left Saturday the 23rd clear for both divisions. Now, if we get postponements or involvement in FA Cup and Vars games, it may be we have to move games into there. But currently, if we can, we'll leave that clear. Um, and then if you look at the fixtures um, in January, February, March, there are a spare Saturday in each month that we've got available to move games into, which is very important for the Premier Division. Because if we've got a Saturday postponement, due to an FA Cup competition, and it's a long-distance game. I don't want to move it to a midweek, so I've got those spare Saturdays. One of the things that struck me over the last few seasons is the, the your commitment to ensuring long-distance travel on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, so we don't want the big journeys happening midweek if we can, if we can possibly avoid it. But, of course... On, it, on top of that, you then get people saying, well, um, you know, in the summer months, um, you'll get long distance journeys happening when the roads are at their busiest. So it feels to me like you can't really win, can you? No. And again, it's a factor that I can't um, factor in when I'm doing the fixtures and say, oh, well, I can't send them in August because I know the A30 is going to be chocker and, you know, for them coming out or people going into Cornwall. I can't adapt for that, and um, so I just have to try and do it. And I just try and say to clubs, well, if you're going there, you're only going there once or twice a season if you're going down to Elston or Falmouth. Well, they're doing it twice a month coming out, so give it some thought for them. They're showing a lot more commitment. And again, you know, the mileage that they're travelling um, is over 4,500 miles um, for each of those two clubs, whereas, you know, the Somerset clubs, so are we saying the middle band there, they're only doing 3,000 or just under 3,000. And then we've got um, the like 
the furthest north now is Oldland, and of course they're also at, at uh, just about four thousand miles. It's impossible to have a conversation in this country at the moment without talking about the weather. I mean, last season's fixture carnage was was got got pretty bad, didn't it? With the, with the weather that we had, and I and I, I'd love to sit here and say I just hope that we don't have another season like that. But I mean, you've been doing this job for a while. I mean, it doesn't feel to me like the weather's getting any better in this country. No, it's not. And if you think about it, we hardly had any snow last year. It was just that that rain in January or the end of December in January that uh, caused clubs to go five or six weeks without a game, which did cause a problem. Yeah, we can't factor in it unless they they change um, the dates of when we're going to play, and I can't see them doing that. I did get approached the other day that, oh, well, because we've only got 18 teams, why are we starting the season so early, the 29th of uh, July? And the answer is simple, because many clubs tell me that they want to have competitive games before they enter into the FA Cup which is always the first Saturday in August for that extra preliminary round. And so to do that, we have to facilitate by having our league starting that week earlier. And when I explain that, it seems to make sense to people. But without thinking about it, you often say, why are we starting early? So, yeah. One final question, uh, and that re- uh, regards our League Cup and the Les Phillips Cup. Yeah. What, what is the plan for the Les Phillips Cup this season? Okay, well, it's it's on the uh, website, and I encourage uh, your listeners to have a look on there. We've done the, uh, the draw for the preliminary round, and um, we are doing it regionally again, which is kind of tough on the Cornish teams because the group in their area, it's got eight Um, Premier Division teams, whereas um, one of the groups only has two Premier Division teams in it. So it is unfair in some people's eyes. But there again, because it's a midweek competition, we just cannot expect somebody, for instance, asking Warminster to travel to Helston or Falmouth to travel up to Cribs. So that's why we've had to stay regional. And again, it'll be reviewed if and when we see what the review is by the FA. Um, and again, one thing we haven't mentioned um, is, of course, we now have Cribs Reserves, and um, and that introduced another problem in that the same as Shirehampton, who ground share at Bristol Manor Farm, is that I had to wait for the Southern League to release their fixtures. And even though we're prepared hours, we ended up having to move 10 games for each of those teams so that it didn't conflict with the Southern League. And, um, and that'll be an ongoing thing throughout the season for us. And my thanks to George for his time. So, Ross, from that interview, we now understand that promotion in terms of the Premier Division is going to be... Um, there's going to be a lot more interest in it this season. It's not just going to be the top place team that gets promoted. There will be another promotion spot. Obviously, we had the interstep playoffs last season. And Saltash, of course, we talked about this the last time we were together, fell sadly short on the day. But now it won't be uh, a step four side against a Western League side. It will be across the top or the, the sec from second to fifth in the Western League. And that's, um, I mean, I don't know whether you're a fan of the playoffs or not, but surely that's going to increase interest in our league campaign. I think you're right. I think whether you're a fan or not, the interest 
it remains right well past the end of the season so it's it's i think it's i think it's more exciting this way done this way than interleague when when clubs actually stay up even though you thought they that you know they do that in hockey as well it's only fair to say that in hockey you know if you're going out of the premier division you you play in a playoff and, and you can retain your place so in one way that's good but i think you know what's the point of relegation and promotion if you don't have change so i'm, I'm a fan of this style of playoff definitely josh are you a fan of the playoffs yeah, it's always a lottery the playoffs, and it's you never know who's going to do it. I think it's always the unpredictability that a team who you think, okay, against the big guns might have a chance, but if anything is surprised us about football, it shows that anyone can go up. And I think this will show how interesting it is. The fact that you know you got the battle to stay up or the battle to go up, you know that you need to get the result. If you don't, that's your position gone. While the teams who are going up have no, um, well, just the excitement of being able to go, yeah, we've got a chance here, we can really do it. It's, it's good to see that both divisions, you know, anything can happen, you can stay up, stay up and that's a success, or you can go up through that way. I think it's going to be exciting. Well, that begs the obvious question then, Josh. If we're looking at the top five with a with a with an interest in um, in in promotion, obviously it's a bit narrower when we talk about our league champions. But we think about the top five teams in the Premier Division. Who do you have a feeling will be there or thereabouts? I have to say my two teams first off: Clevedon Town and, of course, Nelson and Tickenham. Remember, I said last season Nelson and Tickenham got promoted, but I'm going to say that no, again. We laughed at you, didn't we, Josh? We laughed at you. Well, we're not laughing now. I want an apology, please. I want an apology. I, I never heard the apology. Now nah, it was Nelson and Tickenham really deserved that. You know, they really came into last season with no fear. I think that will serve them well again this season. Got good managers there in Jamie Smith and Nick Stedman. Got some really good signings in. You know, they got a really good chance. I think there's one signing recently they've just got is Lucas Vowles, proven goal scorer. Played for the likes of Western, Bristol Manor Farm, Tiverton. Played a higher level. I think that's a massive coup for them, a massive signing. And I've got other players as well who are really good. They've really helped strengthen their positions. It's going to be a very um, good season for them. They might find it hard at the beginning. It's never easy going up. It's always have a feel where you are after the first five, ten games. But I think, you know, after showing what they have done in the last two seasons, they got they have they got nothing to lose. They're, they're at all point on the first day, aren't they? Well, this Saturday, they're at all point. So that'll be a real litmus test for them. It'll be very interesting. I think that'll be a cracking game. Absolutely cracking game down at the mill. Because it wouldn't be a surprise to see them starting very, um, very well. I mean, I suppose every game for them no. is the archetypal cup game, isn't it, really? Cup final. I think, yeah, I think that, that's one of the fixtures that catches your eyes. In, in the Premier Division, when I saw that fixture come up. And, uh, of course, you know, Tour Point, very good side. Uh, Dean Cardew's got a great side down there. He's added to his backroom team, you know, as well. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's, that's going to be a cracking game in East Cornwall. So, Ross, what, what, what are your ones to watch then? Who do you think is going to be in the shake-up for the top five in our Premier Division? I think Buckland are going to be there for one. Um, Buckland Athletic, um, Danny Lewis, who was at Saltash last year, has joined Dan Hart on the management team up at Buckland. And they're just a good outfit. Um, uh, I think um, I think also we saw them, didn't we? Helston, I think, are going to be there or thereabouts. Shepton Mallet, 
those two. Um, again, both really good sides. I was there or thereabouts. I'm sure Bridgewater are going to be around around the top five. I'd be most surprised if they weren't. And then if it's it's anybody's guess. You know, I, I think that's the exciting thing about this year. There, there will be a dark horse. Could it be Falmouth or somebody like that, you know, from my neck of the woods? Or is it going to be one of the teams up near Bristol? Um, you know, will it be Nailsea? I, I, I fancy they're going to do well again. I, I, I just think they're on a roll. You know, they came up to the first division, won promotion really well. Then then, then they steamrolled through the first division. So, you know, that, that momentum is is so good, you know. But Bridgewater is obviously an interesting side because they've had... Um... They, you know, they've retained um, Dave Pearce, their manager, and presumably um, a large amount of their their first team. But obviously, there have been changes going on, you know, behind the scenes, and I guess that's always going to have a uh, that always has the potential to have an impact on how well um, sides do. And and I think that we we'll also be looking um, to one of you know your old side, Ross Saltash, because of course they did so well last season. Again, I know that there's been a lot of changes in terms of the first team, but um, actually, you know, the, the the man that they've brought in to manage the side this season is of course is of course well known to us, isn't he? Well known to Western League fans. Yeah, Macca Brown. Yeah, he was down at Millbrook and did such a good job down there. Um, is it too much to ask Macca to sort of, you know, carry that forward in the, his very first season at Saltash? You know, only time will tell. Um, but he's a smashing bloke, very good manager. You know, I, I think that's the thing at this level, Ian. Um, I can't speak so much about you know other levels but the the, the first division and the, the premier especially the premier division you know they're all very you know all of these sides all the sides in the western league are very well run and uh, there's not much between any of them really you know so it's 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 going to be a very interesting start and because we kick off early i think there'll be a lot more people looking at saturday's results than maybe there would be in previous seasons when all the, the leagues started together. This this will be, you know, a really interesting Saturday, to put it mildly, you know, for grassroots football. And I guess, Josh, that, um, I mean, you've obviously, you've you've talked um, a lot about Nails in Tickenham and we, we, we you know, we, they did do exceptionally well last season. But um, do you think Clevedon have got the capacity to be one of the surprise packages um, of the first division this season? Yeah, I think so. Clevedon Town are such a good side and they've got really well run by Alex White. They've got some really good players there. They might have lost Archie Ferris, I think, who um Larko Athletic. Um, but they have got some players who can fit in. They have made about six, seven, maybe eight signings. But they have a really good grounding there. They have a really good bond. Their morale's good. They they deserve to do well, you know. They've been knocking on the doors. I think it's been, like I said, a couple of years with Mickey Bell at the helm and Alex White. It has been a couple of testing periods, but the people behind the scenes, they got a really, there's a really good atmosphere at the club. Every time you go to the club, you feel you're welcomed. You ha- they make you feel good, but they can make a surprise package. They really got a, a lot about them and the players they have, the Alex White, you know, they got a really good team and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they could go far this season. Now, Ross, I've got to ask you about surprise packages, but I guess one of the sides we didn't talk about just then in the sort of the, the, the top of the table shakeout was was Barnstable. Now, it wouldn't necessarily be appropriate to, record, to, to refer to them as a su- surprise package because there's a lot that's going on at that football club that's um, that's very good. But, I mean, I don't know, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on Barnstable and perhaps any of the other clubs that you think might come from the pack. 
of course, Barnstable will be there or thereabouts. You know, um, they, they, uh, they've. I know you can't be guided by preseason friendlies, but they only just lost two one to Biddeford. So, you know, they're 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 of a standard, aren't they? Um, and again, I think, yeah, very much so. I, like I said, I think Falmouth, uh, Barnstable, they'll be there. Um, it's, it's, it's so hard to call at this stage, you know. Will, will Brixham, you know, will Brixham be like Nelsie? Will they come into the league? And St Blasey, will they come into the league and sort of zoom up, you know? Because when teams have won a league, you know, there's that great belief there. And, and, and as Josh has alluded to, um, some teams have lost a couple of players and, and that, that applies to Brixham and probably St Blasey as well. Um, Barnstable, I'm not so sure about, um, but it's the fact that that they, they've 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 you know especially with Brixham and St Blasey, they've won stuff before, and so have Barnstable. You know, Barnstable have been in the past historically a very successful side. So all these teams, you know, are, are capable of, of coming from nowhere and making us all look a bit stupid come the end of the season and say, you know, you should have put your money on us. So uh, yeah, just be very interesting. Well, of course, one thing that we won't know a great deal about is the new sides that have joined the Premier Division this season. And you've alluded to both of them there, Brixham and, and St Blasey. Um, what can you tell that you, you've, you've said, obviously, that they won their respective divisions um, last season. But can you um, can you give us any more insight than that? Yeah, they're both very good sides, full stop. Um, Brixham play at Wall Park, a ground that I actually know quite well because I've played for Brixham United, which who were formerly in the Western League, believe it or not, back in 19... I think they I think they went out of the league in 1981. So, um, yeah, Tim Porter, Jason there, Jason Cooch. Um, that, yeah, they, they're a well-run side. You, you sort of kind of knew they were going up last season. I know I'm a bit biased. Um, I like the old fish. But, um, yeah, you just... I mean, you, you saw that incredible run they had to the Vars last yeah. 16. And, and and Corsham, who, as you know, very good, you know, when they're very good side in the prem, our Premier Division, I know they're not there now, but um, uh, to take them to penalties at Corsham, you know, that, that, that speaks volumes for me. And St. Blasey, the first thing that, that, that visiting teams and fans will notice, before, you know, as soon as they enter the same, it's a carpet. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful pitch. It was used by the county for many years when when the Southwest Counties Championship was like, you know, a really a fantastic thing to have. And um, it sort of died, you know, the, the, the county thing has gone away now just because there's so much football, which is quite a shame, really. But Cornwall Willow is based there and it's it's an absolutely lovely ground. And, and Anyone who follows the feed will see that they're always making improvements there. Phil Lafferty, who who was again behind that success at St Austell, remember they had that amazing Vars run. Phil Lafferty's at St Blasey, so anywhere Phil is, you can rest assured they'll put out a good side. I mean, I did wonder whether that FA Vars run was a bit of a statement of intent because you know any side that's capable of going that deep into the competition perhaps has aspirations at playing at a higher level. And I know the Premier Division historically isn't the easiest division to get out of, but actually now with the top five in with a shout, could you see Brixham and possibly even St Blasey being in that shakeup? Of course, I could. At this, you know, I think the thing that we've got to say in is 
we're only talking, you know, about what we 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 think may happen. It's a very long season, you know. Nobody, you know, nobody needs to be told that. So, um, yeah, of course they could be in there. Absolutely, I I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if whichever of the eighteen teams are there, there there will be a couple of surprises, and 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 I won't be surprised, nor will you, nor will Josh, nor will anyone else, that that's the case because it's, you know. It, that's what the league's about. It, it, it's going to be a cracking season. I know it. Absolutely. It makes right. it, like you said, you know, in the build-up to this, what, whatever happens, it's going to be much, much more exciting knowing that, you know, you could be, you know, your team only has to get in the top five of this league and you, you stand a chance of going to the Southern League. I mean, how exciting is that? I mean, it's, it's not happened before where five teams have yeah. a chance of going up. So... It's going to be a yeah historical season in more senses than one. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, Josh, got to bring you in on the uh, on the first division. The first division um, race, I think, is going to be every bit as exciting as it was as it was last season. And of course, two sides that you know very well because you cover them is Cheddar and Portishead. Definitely. But going back to last season, what could be said about the finish we just had? We had it was incredible. It was exciting. It was thrilling. You couldn't have asked for a better end to a season than that, with three, four teams could have gone up and with three teams over like 95 points. Just shows just how special the Division One League and how difficult it is to get out of it. But with Chad and Port as their town, they're, they're, you know, they're up and coming. Mike Dangerfield, of course, going into his second season as management of the club. He'll do quite well, I think, this season. He's got a feel for it now. He's had an experienced first season. He's been probably in a deep end, if there's not a better word for it, but in the you know, now he's a bit more settled. I think they've kept most of their squad down there from last season, maybe just losing one, two, maybe three players from last season. But they really are looking good. Portishead Town, Eamon Daly, of course, stepped down and was replaced with um, Kai Mountford. But they look like going to a new era, Portishead Town. They, they finished 13th last season, the highest ever position, made some really good signings down there, you know, brought a few players from Cleveland Town as well. You know, I think Paul said for me, are were the dark horses this season. They can really go far, got a really good team behind them, really good coaching stuff. And, you know, I, I'm always going to say my teams will do well. Both Paul said, I, I'm going to say all four of them will do really well. Might might be biased, but I just see something in each of them team that makes them so special. And I really can't wait to see how they do this season. It's, you're in a similar boat to me because, um, of course, regular Western League watchers will be familiar with how well Cheddar have done over recent seasons, you know, including the season, of course, when um, they finished runners-up. Um, and um, I've seen in recent seasons Radstock Town do very well. And, and, you know, my mate Ray Johnson, of course, a former manager who's won the Western League with Odd Down, um, went to, to Radstock and I was hoping for, you know, for, for, for great things from them last season. I, obviously, last season, as you mentioned with Mike, it, it was about consolidation. It was about um, establishing the side. So it'll be very interesting to see whether clubs like Radstock and Cheddar can get back up towards the top of the table where we expect them to be. Definitely. it's It just shows just how difficult this league is. I mean, you you know, see and Ticklem did really well last season and were fully deserved to go up, but we don't see like that every day. The hard work that goes in behind the scenes, determination, perseverance, you know, you can have a good run of five, six wins in a row and you could be up there. But if you, it's equally the same. If you have four, five, six defeats, you can be down at bottom. It just shows how competitive and how difficult this league can be. But there's so much excitement next season. 
and oh, should I say this season even, and it's just going to be even better. The likes of Cheddar, Radstock, who've had experience, Cheddar especially with a second-place finish a few years ago, they have the experience of doing that, but they are new side, of well, new-look side with Mike Dangerfield at the helm. But I am, one for, look, for one, looking forward to seeing how they're doing the season, and they got there's no reason they can't go far. Now, I, I know that they're a team that's outside your patch, but Wells is a side, obviously, that did exceptionally well last season. It'd be very interesting to see whether they can be in the shake-up this season as well. Definitely. And, of course, if you look at the first fixture, Cheddar versus Wells, it's never an easy fixture, an exciting fixture. And Wells are just a really good side under the guidance of Sean Potter. I think he stepped down at the end of last season. Yes, so right. it's very difficult. It, you know, Wells City, again, like Cheddar with Mike Dangerfield, with Morford... Um, we've been replacing Morford last season. It's going to be a very, I think it's going to be a difficult season for them. But again, I think Wells have got a really good following, a good base, good players, and it's going to be see how they're doing. But, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. And Wells, I've got no reason they can do quite well either. It's just so hard to call. There's so many teams who have it in them to go far. But there's, of course, that start, how they do well. But of course, Wells City do have a really good back in and have the experience and I think after their finishing last season and were very unlucky to miss out on that place at the end and had to uh, settle up for play, missing out on a place after defeating the playoffs you know they really want to go one better this season and there's no reason they can't now, Ross, um, the first division race, as we've just been, you know, saying was, well, I suppose Brislington ran away with it, but the, the, the most exciting part of it was the playoffs. Um, I'm not sure that Brislington are going to get it all their own way this season. And, and as much as you and I on this episode have been talking about the strength of the Cornish sides and the Devon sides, the first division um, has a, has a it, it, for the runners and riders, it does have a very Bristol feel, doesn't it? With, with the likes of Brislington, the the likes of Cabri Heath who've come down, the likes of Bitten, who of course have you know emerged like a phoenix from the flames. We'll, we'll be fascinated to see how those sides compete um, this season in the first division. Yeah, I agree with you. It's 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 wrong to say it's Bristol centric, but it certainly is. And and the, the one thing we've not talked about, and and you think of the success of their first team is Cribs, and I think Cribs reserves. I real I I really want to see. You know, Richard Luffman's got a great, you know, he's done so well with the Cribs first team. So I, <laughs> I tell you what, like you said, I don't, you know, much as I like Brislington, they're, they're a great, well-run outfit. I, I think you could be right. I think there's, again, it's it, it's just very, very exciting. And I, I, I think the beauty of grassroots football that probably... Um, we, we always talk about, you know, like say the, the football league and the Premier League and but because we're all keen, you know, all three of us and, and many, many others, that's that's the thing is so many people I meet these days, yeah, they have their sort of you know, a team that they like to see do well in the Premier League, then they have maybe their local team. But you know, I think grassroots football, we we, we haven't talked about that, but it's literally exploded in the last you know, especially since the, the return after the pandemic, I think people missed it so much. And of course, it gave you that chance to get back out after the pandemic. It gave you that chance to get out on a touchline. And we we asked people to do that, but um, they actually did do it. You know, it wasn't one of those where we said, oh, you know, we think grassroots football is great. Get out and watch it at the weekend. 
they actually said, where can we go and watch grassroots football? And they went and watched it the weekend. And then they, they, they've now got the bug. And so, yeah, the first division is the, the Premier Division. You could sort of say roughly about five teams. I, I wouldn't like to say it would be in the top five of the first division because it's going to be such a hard division to call just because you don't know where teams, you know, which team yeah. will do well. It's, it's, I think you're right. Brisington will do well again. I, I would, you know, I'd imagine strongly they'll be in the top five. But after that, Wells definitely, you know, or maybe definitely maybe, as Oasis would say. Well, I mean, what, I'd be interested to see how how Bitten get on. Um, not least because I remember Will Justin when he was assistant manager at Welton Rovers when they got promoted, and you know he's 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 certainly a man who knows his way around the Western League, and I think that you know yeah. in that division he could be very. Um, very competitive. Uh, now, um, we're, we're drawing to a close on this episode, but there's a couple of things I, I just wanted to get your um, the, your take on. And I'm going to kick off with you, Ross, because I've always felt that, that you have, um, uh, over the years that you've been running the Southwest Sports News um, Twitter feed, I know there's more to you than that. I know there's a website and everything, but I think you're synonymous with, with, with social media. And also, in my opinion, and I think in many others, you're synonymous with the way that it should be used positively positively with the with the real benefits um, that come from publicizing what's going on in our grassroots game and our clubs um, positively on on social media how have you felt over the last I'm going to say year but actually we could talk about the last week or so because of course Twitter feels like it's in fact I'm not even sure we can call it that anymore I think we've got to call it X um, or something like that. Um, I mean, how how are you feeling about about that evolution? And in in a in a in a tool that you have used so incredibly well and positively. Um, firstly, thanks for saying that. I, 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 I don't think you know, regardless of whether it's Twitter or any social media, I've never seen the benefit of using it negatively. Um, and I, I and as you know, I'm totally intolerant of it being used negatively. So if something negative comes up on my timeline or or whatever, I just I either you know I, I mute it or I just don't include it. I, I do, so so let's use it for the good. Um, X Twitter, call it what you will. Um, I still I'm still at that stage. I I, I got bombarded, um, as you can probably well imagine. Was I going to threads and was I going to change course? And um, and so far I haven't, just because. It's taken me, as you know, 16 yeah. years to build up a platform of over 17,000 uh, followers. And and again, I think people that join it see it as a platform for good. And that's that's what I want to continue it to be. Uh, so taking it back to that personal level, I will continue to use it as a platform for good. Should the platform change in any shape or form, I'll have to rebuild somewhere else. Um, and as you, as you as you both know, I'm not a very young man, so age 62, I, you know, it'll take a fair old while. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, fingers crossed that it's around for, for, you know, many more years to come. But but only time will tell. You know, again, it's a bit like the league race we've just talked about. You can guess and guess and guess. But, you know, especially in this scenario, one doesn't know, you know. I, I don't. I haven't got a silver ball, a crystal ball, so I don't. I don't know what's happening around the corner. But as I say, you know, the great thing, I, I you know, I, I always get a bit um, 
shy or talking about myself really um because it's not about that i always talk about the team being on twitter and that that's yourselves both of you and 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 the western league and all the teams that follow and and all the incredible volunteers that input on twitter and what have you so they're all fantastic and um I just think we've just got to navigate it as best we can. But what I was going to say, talking about myself, is I had a sort of bit of a drip at the start and say, did the season end? But what I've got to say is that literally once those football people start tweeting again, the impressions go through the roof, Ian. I mean, it's phenomenal to see. You know, I I would think three three years ago on a pre-season night or two years ago, whatever, on a pre-season evening or day when games are happening in summer, the, the, the Twitter feed might be, you know, a couple of thousand, maybe 10,000, maybe 20. This season, it's been up in 60,000 60, people impressions on the Twitter feed on a, on a day when there's not really a competitive game taking place, but lots of pre-season friendlies. It's phenomenal. So as long as it continues to be phenomenal, we'll we'll use it as best we can. It's a free tool. So, you know, um, maybe one of our podcasts will be talk, you know, you'll talk about where we get, where do we go from here? But let's hope that doesn't happen for quite a few years yet. No, quite. But I mean, I'm not sure Elon Musk listens to the Toolstation Western League podcast, but if he did, he could do a lot worse than listen to how you use the platform that he spent so much money buying. Uh, and appears to be doing weird things too. Anyway, let's not let's not go down that road, just in case we get taken off air. Um, Josh, one of the ways that I enjoy reading your coverage um, is obviously on is on social media. So, as much as you know, Ross is is, is a master of the art. I guess for a um, for a journalist at the beginning of your career, social media is also a very important tool for you as well. Yeah, it's a massive tool. I, I just got to say, Ross, yeah, what you do with your social media is exemplary. It's uh, you conduct it professionally and. You know, I always enjoy watching, reading your stuff and how you engage with them, the teams and fans and the clubs all around. So keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Josh. It's appreciated. No problem. Um, but going back to myself on it, it's, it's yeah, social media is important. It's where, you know, you see most of the things going on. Most of the teams now post, you know, the scores, results, updates, any other thing like that. It's a great tool to use. It can be so dangerous at the same time, though. I think people forget just how dangerous you can get yourself into it. You know, the fact that, you know, it's a public opinion of the day. You know, I was speaking to someone the other day about it, and they were, we were saying about how good social media is, but it could be such a bad thing where people can use it as a bad thing, where they abuse people, how they can use it as a got as something as a gossip place where you basically don't think of the consequences of your actions. So yeah, it's great to have. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't change it for the world. But just, I I just urge anyone listening on here today to be exceptionally careful what happens. I mean, so Twitter could be such a good, but the abuse uh, people get for it. You know, you see the likes of people saying what they could do. I, you know, I think people don't realise the consequences words have on people. You can, you know, you might have a team one week who has a bad week. That doesn't excuse you to go on Twitter to say how bad they've been and hope you do all this and hope you, you know, that, you know, I've seen personal, I've seen messages before where we have, we go at people and it's awful, absolutely awful how people just treat people. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a fantastic tool, but there is that danger where your words can have a massive impact. So for anyone who's going to post a season, 
be careful what you say because you know people who might not have not have a good day and read what you say might just have an impact hopefully i'm not saying that's a bad i'm not saying you know the worst will come to happen but you've got to be so careful of what you do i mean i could be i could go on this for hours and hours yes it's good it's good to engage it's good to share it's good to engage with people and it's a great thing to do but again don't use it as a negative thing use it as a positive tool use it to engage with the people around use it as a place where you can share the content it could be a wonderful and a magical place but don't use it as a place if your team has suffered a defeat or a player's had a bad game it doesn't excuse you to go out on there and say how bad they've been and hope you know aim at personal insults it's not for that it's a place where we need to engage together and share just how wonderful this league is absolutely well said there josh um right now let's get back to the football um and um we'll kick off in the premier division we've obviously got games coming up in the western league this um this weekend um ross what's your um what's your standout fixture on saturday the 29th of july in our premier division I think my standout fixture is going to be Brixham against Falmouth. I just think that 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 is going to be a cracking game, um, and and that's the one that hits me. I'm obviously looking at Welton against Barnstable as well. I think there, but you asked me for the one, and I think it's Brixham against Falmouth. What about you, Josh? Which game catches your eye? Yeah, oh, there's just just so many good fixtures. But I, I always like to I, I go for my teams always well. But I always think it's going to be see how Nelson and Tickham versus Torpoint to do. Nelson mm-hmm. and Tickham, of course, their first ever game. Cleveland Buckland another great game. But I, but I think Nelson and Tickham, it's going to be good to see how they do. See how it goes with them. I mean, Torpoint, you know, no pushover. It's going to be difficult to play against. But I think those two, it's going to be a really really good game back in. Um, well, I'm going to be a little bit dull because I think um, um, Ross has already mentioned this game, but Welton Rovers against Barnstable Town. I, I really, I'm really hoping for for for, for good things for for Welton this season, and they'll have a real test um, at home to what well, I'm sure will be a very strong Barnstable Town side. But uh, you know, if the weather is shining, even if it isn't, I know that the people of Midsummer Norton will come out in their in their hundreds um, with the chance of Green Army. So, um, yes, there you go. Barnstable will certainly have, uh, I mean, Barnstable, of course, have got fantastic um, um, support and perhaps we'll, we'll pick that up at another time on the podcast. But um, I reckon, yeah, there'll be a carnival atmosphere in the middle of Midsummer Norton um, for that one at West Clues. Right then. Um, uh, and before we wrap things up then, um, Josh, I'm going to kick off with you this time, which is your pick of the fixtures in our first division? Do you have to ask? Wells versus Cheddar, of course, and of course, Porter said, I'm never going to go into my teams, I'm sorry. But yeah, I think there are some really good games in that team. But there is one that I'm looking forward to seeing, actually, apart from the two, is Brislington versus Cribs. Be good to see how they do, of course, the champions last season, who, of course, didn't go up for, for obvious reasons. But it'd be good to see how, and I think Cribs are a good team, so it'd be good to see how both of them do. And what about you, Ross? What games caught your eye? Well, that, that game obviously did. I mentioned Cribs earlier. It's going to be a fascinating game. But the one I better give a shout out to, otherwise Stuart Jones will never forgive me, is Hallen against Middlesbrough Rovers. <laughs> and we haven't mentioned them. So, uh, yeah, I'm going for that one. Yes, of course, new boys, um, Middlesbrough Middle Rovers there um, travelling. That's going to be a difficult side, um, a difficult um, away trip for them. But, I mean, we could tell an awful lot about them from how they get on there. Um, I'm yeah. very tempted to sort of put my 
my my Wiltshire hat on and, and talk about Warminster against Radstock Town. Oh, I just did. Um, but I'm I'm not. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Longwell Green Sports against Wincanton Town. Um, yeah. Now Longwell Green, of course, um, they've really captured their local public's imagination. They've been having some excellent um, gates. They've invested a huge amount in the facilities at their at their club, and there were sh- there were signs definitely that that club has been has been growing. And maybe this season could be their breakthrough season. They could be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Wincanton Town, we know about their ambition. Um, they've done incredibly well in the last few seasons as we as we all know they're always at the races aren't they um so it'd be fascinating to see um who comes out on top there josh and ross thank you so much as always um for your time it's it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the first episode of this season's tool station western league podcast